Welcome to the Show Me Institute podcast. Today's episode is a conversation between Dr. Susan Pendergrass, the Director of Research and Education Policy at the Show Me Institute, and Aisha Sultan. Aisha is a columnist at the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, and her work has also appeared in more than 100 publications, including The Atlantic, The Wall Street Journal, and The Washington Post. They discuss school performance in Missouri and how difficult it is to find clear data that would allow parents to make informed decisions about their child's education. Find more Show Me Institute podcasts on SoundCloud at soundcloud slash showmeinstitute and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Here's Dr. Susan Pendergrass and Aisha Sultan. So Aisha, I'm so glad that you came in to talk to me today about this topic. I've lived here for five years and I've only worked on Missouri education policy for a year and a half. And um, when I started digging into Missouri data, having worked in multiple other states and at the national level, I was kind of shocked at how hard it is to find and how hard it is to understand. And I know we've discussed that a little bit, but um, you know, we, it, it's just something that not I'm a researcher, you're a journalist, and if it's difficult for us to find and understand the data, then I can only imagine for a parent with little time and resources how much harder it would be. Well, I'm also a parent. Um, I have children. I mean, I'm a (laughs) transplant to Missouri more than 20 years ago from Texas, but um, my children are born and raised here and go to public schools here. And so I have a lot. I'm a stakeholder in many ways in this information. Um, And most importantly, as a parent. Right. So, uh, but my background is I was an education reporter for about 10 years for the Post-Dispatch before I started writing a column and um, writing occasional editorials on education issues. So I've spent many years sitting at school board meetings, sifting through uh, data sure. and trying to make sense of how well students and schools are doing or, and where they're not doing so well. And I can tell you that um, Missouri has gotten progressively worse in, in the reporting? In the reporting oh, and yeah. accessibility and um, communication of what, this information. Could you speculate? Like, why Why do you think that is? I mean, That's I have thoughts. But well, I would know, like to hear your thoughts. I have thoughts. Let's talk about this. Um, I also am a parent. My children were raised in Virginia, and they hit, my oldest hit uh, third grade right when No Child Left Behind kicked in, and right when you started testing third graders. She right. was in third, and it was a jolt, you know what I mean? Yeah. And the schools in Virginia were putting their accredited banners up, and it was a lot to learn in a short amount of time, like right. standards of learning and what all of this means. Um, so, and from there, like I said, working in multiple states, but when I came here to work in Missouri, you know, one of the Show Me Institute's main initiatives is to uh, promote policies involving school choice. That's mm-hmm. sort of our, right. our hook, right? And um, it took uh, about a year, well, six months in of going to Jefferson City and realizing the, to me, staggering lack of information in Missouri. And so I backed up my whole plan and my agenda to say well, the first thing we've got to do is straighten out this lack of information because without information without parents knowing how the schools are doing they're never going to press for better right and so you know a state like florida that i talk about a lot they've been doing letter grades on schools for 15 20 years and they also have increasing test scores they have a lot of school choice programs but they weren't afraid 15 years ago to say that's a d school and that's an f school and missouri you know there's no appetite within the public education establishment to say that's a low performing school well uh, uh, okay so i can also speculate a little bit about what i think is going on here um 
And the Post-Dispatch, many years ago when we had a full-fledged education team of reporters, took it upon ourselves to collect all this data and then run regressions and um, different analyses based on the school's demographics Mm -hmm. um, to give people an idea of how well your school is performing compared to other schools like it. Because as you and I know, as people who've studied this stuff, um, how well groups of students do on state test is often very much just reflective of their socioeconomic status and their parents' background, right? And so um, in order to get a more meaningful comparison of, uh, you have to take a lot of other factors into account. Right. And so, um, yes, this, okay, so let me just sort of tell you recently what I tried to do. Um, I, I attended an Education Writers Association workshop that looked specifically at school report cards and st- um, groups that are looking at nationally what's working in different states and whatnot. So I tried this little test. I came back um, and I typed in like my kid's school district and school report card to see where it would take me. And it took me to this landing page on the Department of um, Education Second- um, Secondary. DESI. DESI. Yeah, elementary, elementary Secondary, secondary education. education. It took me to their website. And once you get there, it has a few bullet points on the screen that will give you like little snapshots of how third graders are doing. And seventh grade. And seventh grade. That's it. Third grade and seventh grade. And And then like property value. That's it. And yeah, it's a weird selection of things. So it's this random sort of bits and pieces that are not in any kind of context. And then you try to find your school district. Now, you know, I've been to graduate school. I I don't consider myself to be a stupid person, but it was a challenge just trying to figure out how to find my school and my school district. That's right. Right? Yeah. And some states do it. You have like a map and you can just pick where you live and then like they make it really easy to find. Right. I totally agree with you. So the site initially, um, when you even just land on it, is not intuitive or easily to navigate. Right. Um, And that seems like something that can be fixed. It can like, be fixed. Yeah. <laughs> we're not talking about something that's going to require like, you know, totally reinventing the wheel here. Right. Like this is a landing page that you can make, put in simpler language. Absolutely. With better navigation so people can know what they're looking for and think about like if I were a parent, what would I come on this site? What are the words I would use to search to try to figure out how my right. school is doing? And there are resources. And I'll tell you, I went to a meeting at the U.S. Department of Education in December with several other state think tanks. And the topic that we discussed was school report cards because we all know or, you know, it is true that under No Child Left Behind, there was a lot of uh, responsibility given to schools and districts needed to report. And the federal government was telling everybody what to do. That has pulled back now under the new version of the Every Student Succeeds Act. And now states have a lot of flexibility. But the one thing they have to do is they're supposed to. Uh, produce school report cards that they've designed with parent input that are easily understood by parents. And that's that's in the federal law. So we were discussing that. And the U.S. Department of Education did a hackathon where they brought some software engineers in. In like three hours, they designed cool interactive report cards. And they've got technical assistance available and other resources. And I said, are you going to do a Hall of Fame, Hall of Shame? Because I think Missouri needs to be in the Hall of Shame. Right. Our school rep- to the extent that we even are doing what could be called a school report card, which I question. Right. Um, you know, what they are, you're exactly right. When you find them, it's a page. It looks like it was built in like 1985. Absolutely it does. It has like tan at the top. And then when yeah. you find your school and pick a year, you get the report card. It's just a series of black and white tables that prints out to a 14-page PDF. And the, the tables are written in jargon and technical language that um, 
the data the data quality campaign did an assessment of every state and they found that Missouri's was written at the 17th grade level. I completely I have I mean I completely believe that because this was my frustration too is that when I went in there and I tried to access some of these more specific tables about my school I'd have to download additional files and yeah, then yeah. somehow there was no easy way to compare it or to have any context for it. Right. Um and I mean I was utterly frustrated um, and I and you know I was writing about it, so I had to sort of stick it out. Um, and I I called Desi and I said, "Why is this so terrible?" And they're like, "We're working on it. We're going to improve mm-hmm. it. We're trying to fix it. We're doing a rehaul. Blah blah blah." I mean, I haven't seen anything yet. I haven't followed up with them. But um, <laughs> what I wrote an editorial on this, and what I wanted to make the headline is that. Missouri's school report card deserves an F. Now, I feel like you guys were a little kinder in the report well, they, that you so, have yeah. put out. Yeah. So we have a report where we did a report card on the report card. Yeah. And um, we took every requirement under ESSA. Yes. And we looked at the school report card to see how well they met that requirement. And there are Fs. And there are some As. Right. And there's a lot of Cs. Right. And um, we tried to make the um, rubric, the grading rubric, as objective as possible. And we had multiple people check this to say, would you have given that a B? Would you have given that a D? So basically, if they met the requirement, it's an A. Uh-huh. If you met the requirement, but uh, but not with enough information, it's a B, and so forth. And if you didn't meet it at all, it's an F. And we did give a lot of Fs, but you know, we didn't want to just say, this is an F report card. Right. But um, it's important to do this as a first step, because this is required under the law. And the reason it's required is for parents. And so Eventually, I got to where I understood the website, and right. I knew that L&D was level not determined, and I knew that Map A was for students with disabilities with digging, right? With right. digging. I figured right. it out. But it's supposed to be designed for parents specifically, and it's supposed to be designed with parent input, and there's no way that was designed with parent input. Absolutely not. I mean, and if you think about the students that our public schools are serving, yeah, many, the majority of them have parents who are either... Um, both working with sure. very little time, um, many of them facing economic pressures and time pressures. So you're not going to have the ability for someone to spend an hour or several hours just trying to get an answer of how's my school doing compared to other schools that right. are like it. Um, and I mean, even this, I hear this frustration from parents, even with the new report cards that schools send for individual student progress. Yeah, I heard this too. It's hard to understand. Don't you we get don't, a number that's like 238 or you get like some number with out of context? Well, you know, no. that's how they do on like the state test. But I'm okay. even just talking about like the report card that you get a couple times a year. Oh, yeah, yeah, just, yeah. You know, that yeah. when we were in school, it used to be A, B, C, D, F, yeah. whatever. Okay, so it's no longer like that. It's like meeting, progressing, even at the higher grade levels. You know, and a lot of parents are like, well, I don't even know. Is my child doing okay? Well, even, okay, so if they're meeting um, a standard, how well are they meeting it? Like, what, it's just really hard to understand how your, how well your kid is doing. And so this is an interesting thing that most um, surveys and credible polling show about the way people think about schools is they they do think public education has a lot of significant problems, but they sure. think their school exactly. is doing well. Like Congress. Right? Exactly. Yes. Just like Congress. And so um, some of the reluctance may be that uh, perhaps our state legislature does not want to make 
constituents angry, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, especially perhaps constituents in more affluent areas that might be surprised yep. to see that their school is not educating different demographics of students That's as right. well as they could be. That's right. And it's because it's been under the radar for so long. Um, there are people who have a vested interest in keeping that under the radar. Of course, the status quo, right? That, right. So my speculation is if you want to keep what I would call a monopoly hold on public education in the state, then the uh, it's imperative that you keep information at a minimum, right? Control the flow of information. Mm-hmm. I think if parents found out that they're starting their precious little four-and-a-half-year-old into kindergarten at an F school or a D school, then I think you would have uh, a different environment in terms of parents saying that's not acceptable. I want something better or something. And don't tell me that you're working it out because you're not going to work it out when my child's starting their school. Well, and that's it because you and I have very different um, perspectives and perhaps policy solutions as it relates to school choice. Um, And I think that there's certainly room for, you know, people who have the same goals to see different ways of getting there. Like we all want to see students improve, but there's like many different ways to get there. So, um, but I will say that I think that there are some states that there is a stigma to labeling a school as like an F school or Mm -hmm. a D school. And what they've done is come up with a report card for the school that looks in different categories. So your school might be doing great in certain areas, like language arts in, you know, it is an A area for you guys, um, but perhaps science education is an area in which you're struggling. Yeah. Or, um, you know, there's a way where you can give a report card that looks at maybe your school is doing great at um, teaching middle-class kids who are not on free and reduced lunch and they're performing really well just as well as other kids in other districts are or even better but perhaps students that are on free and reduced lunch are not doing as well as they could be and that's where you're getting your d or f Mm -hmm. or c um michigan does that michigan Michigan does that that, a series of of exactly michigan does that and i think that that is a more fair way of assessing schools and communicating to parents because we know what that means so under the law, they have to report on every group of students, right. students with disabilities, students who are learning English, right. um, and students by race, ethnicity, and low income. Right. Um, Desi technically does that on that 14-page table thing. Exactly. But on the APR system, the annual performance report, which is what a parent may be familiar with that you're supposed to get 60 or 70% of the points. Even Nobody's though, familiar with that. <laughs> even though that, that requires three pages of text for me to explain. Right. Um, <laughs> Those kids, anyway, are all bundled into one group called a super subgroup. And that is troubling to me because that's a way, from a civil rights perspective, that children used to get buried. And that's why a school used to bury how they're uh, performing in certain groups of students. Now, I will say that I have done what you did before. I've taken all the test scores and adjusted them for low income and whether a school is urban or not. Right. And we have a report forthcoming with those data. And it is surprising. It is surprising when you look at, yeah, the school's doing really well, um, 85% proficient. But when you factor in the fact that they have almost no low-income kids, they should be 92%. Like, they're not even at their expected level when you look at their... So 15, 20 years ago when we had, like, more staff and capacity at the Post, Mm -hmm. we did that same sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you that there were some districts that are used to thinking of themselves and... Their constituents <laughs> yeah. are used to thinking of themselves as like premier or very yeah. good districts are not happy when you tell them that oh you're not doing so great in this particular area. Yeah. 
That's right. And also you see schools that have very uh, challenging populations of students right. who are actually overperforming exactly. expectations. And it's important to know where those are because then that's an opportunity to create peer networks and to learn. Absolutely. Like what's working here? Exactly. And can we do the same thing? I am really looking forward to re- seeing that report. Yeah, and yeah, seeing yeah. what you guys and certainly following up and writing things about that. It should be soon. And you're welcome to the data too. Yeah. Um, it should be soon. We'd but it's, it's an that. interesting thing. And, and so I think that um, many states are taking it upon themselves to really press for the best report cards they can possibly do. Like they're really right to the level of this challenge and Missouri is not doing that. So how can we encourage um, Desi and our legislature to take this more seriously and to do that? Well I think there are some local groups like uh, Prime at St. Louis University they're creating their own report cards. Uh, We're considering creating report cards and you know you can quibble with our approach and our rubric just like theirs Um, and I think the more pressure that comes from groups you know who are doing report cards without Desi's input would I would think would motivate Desi to create their own with their own input. You know what I mean? I'm going to use the same data that Desi puts out. Right. Just going to score it differently and present it differently. Exactly. So so somebody could understand it. And that is the goal. Like, I feel like until you said this before, um, this is something that you and I are in complete agreement on. Unless you can see where your strengths and weaknesses are, you can never make any progress. That's right. Because it's concealed. And it's fine to think, oh, you know, we're, okay. It, I think you and I talked about this too, about how, how I don't want to use the word misleading. That's a little unfair. But how unclear accreditation uh, is. Because a parent might think that's a stamp of approval that, oh, my school is doing great. It's mm-hmm. accredited. Or, you know, the, st- the state has said something positive about outcomes in my school. That's not really what accreditation means in Missouri. It does not mean that. And in fact, Desi does not accredit schools. Because I wrote a blog and I mentioned uh, an accredited school with uh, really high rates of chronic absenteeism and something right. else. And I got a call as soon as it was posted, that it was incorrect. They do not accredit schools. And then I said, well, I drive by a school on my one-mile commute, and it has a big banner on the outside that says fully accredited. And they said, yeah, well, that means St. Louis public schools were fully accredited. We only accredit districts, not schools. Oh, that's true. So I was like, that's really misleading if you're a parent. It is misleading. I I honestly um, am not sure if this is a a good school or not a good school it's on Del Mar basically backs up to Del Mar and I was just curious because I thought wow that's interesting that's a fully accredited school they must be doing something well because they have a challenging demographic and um they're not fully accredited that's banner is just misleading oh so the district is but that particular school they don't no they don't apply any labels to schools right so they don't apply the fully accredited partially accredited to schools only to districts so all you get at a school level all you get is an apr score yeah that's it and that is can you explain what that means i can so there's five components to the apr uh academic performance Mm -hmm. Uh, subgroup academic performance, mm-hmm. college or career ready, attendance, and high school graduation rates. Now, only a couple of those apply to elementary schools and middle schools, right. so there's there's that. Um, and the, the attendance one is a fifth indicator required by law at, that Missouri chose to use attendance, and other states have really challenged themselves more on that fifth one. But um, So basically, in each of those five areas, a school gets points, and the the maximum number of points varies for a high school it's 140 Mm -hmm. and in that 140 points in addition to the 140 points there's 90 points of extra credit available 
So what happens is there's up to 230 points ways to earn 140 points. Wow. So you, because when the last round of scores came out, a friend of mine called me up and he said, explain to me how University City is fully accredited under the system. Right. And I said, because if you were designing a system where everyone got an A, this is how you would design it. Right. So for example, I don't want to get into the weeds, but for attendance, there's a maximum of 10 points, but there's 17 and a half points available. Mm. So you, you get points for how you did on attendance and how much you progressed from the prior year, seven and a half for prior year. You could get just half of the points for this year and maybe say five out of seven and a half for progress and you're a hundred percent, even though you ha you aren't. So anyway, it's very right. misleading. And in the end, what they report is the percentage of the total possible points that each school got. And 70 is a threshold that schools look for. And so as a parent, you might find out that your school got 75% of their APR points. But what do you do with that? Right. I mean, if you don't understand the five, the mechanism behind it, right. if you didn't realize how insanely generous this system is. And I took a while to accept that as true. And I even went to my boss, who's an attorney. Right. And I was like, read this and explain confirm right. for me that you actually have 17 and a half points and you only have to get to 10 right. and she was like it makes no sense and then we met with desi yes um, for a number of reasons but i made sure to ask the question like is it true that all of these are extra points that go into the numerator and not the denominator they're like yeah those are yes that's that's insane. Well, and that's why like ninety nine percent of districts are fully accredited. are fully accredited. Five twelve out of five eighteen. Exactly, and we know that there's vast um, disparities in how well they're performing. Absolutely, or how well the students are learning in those districts. Um, I think that it would be. <laughs> I think it would be. I don't know if the. I don't know if it's like legislators that are worried about pushback from their constituencies if parents had a better understanding of how their specific schools That's are doing. That's what concerns me. I don't know. That it's better to keep them in the dark hmm. to get elected. You know what I mean? Right. That's, that concerns me. Because I know that if you looked at schools, I know that there would be the equivalent of Ds or Fs in Jefferson City, in Columbia, right. certainly in U-City, in uh, um, districts that people might be surprised, Cape Girardeau. You right. know what I mean? I know right. where these are. I've mapped them. Right. And there are low-performing schools throughout the state. And I think that legislators don't want to hear that that's in their district. They don't want to hear it, and they don't want to draw attention in the areas in which Missouri is lagging. Yeah. And so that's why it's like incumbent upon like policymakers, researchers, and journalists to be like, okay, you can't run away from this. Yeah, we and need you to can't, fix it. You can't pretend that everything's okay here. Because... Just on a logical, common sense level, Susan, um, if you look at just the percentages of third graders, of middle schoolers, and high schoolers that are even proficient on the state test, the majority of them are not passing. That's right. More than 50%. More than 50% are not meeting the standard. Right. Right? So if more than 50% of the students in our state are not learning what they should be or there are some obstacles there then what does it mean if all of them are accredited nearly all of them are accredited and we have no meaningful way of knowing why this is happening well right? ferguson fluorescent's fully accredited and three percent of their eighth graders are proficient in math three percent ninety seven percent are not so they're sending those kids on to high school right and what is the high school supposed to do with with a situation where 97% of the, their ninth graders show up not on grade level in math. 
that makes their job that much harder. Well, and then it gets pushed on to the, um, you know, community colleges yeah. and colleges yeah. that have to spend a lot more time in remedial education and yep. bringing people's basic skills up to par if they can. Um, and so the problem just gets keep getting pushed down the line because mm-hmm. people don't know even where to make the fixes. Now, I will say something encouraging that I've seen um, – in urban districts, and this has been the past couple of years, is a real push to have trauma-informed education, mm-hmm. which you and I know that when you're dealing with populations of students that are facing a lot of challenges, there has to be other supports for them so that they can learn. Right. Right? That's right. Trauma-informed is certainly um, something that is it's kind of buzzy right now, but right. it is really important to acknowledge that students come to school with trauma that's not obvious trauma, right? Yeah, it's exactly. not like my my dad shot my mom trauma. It's right. it's non-obvious trauma. It's like my mom wasn't able to pay the bills this month. Right. And or I so, don't know where I'm sleeping tonight or right. who's going to pick me up after school or yeah. if someone will pick me up or, you know, there, there are so many other things that... We don't realize how much the public school population has changed That's right. over the past 10, 20 years, you know, especially the past 20 years when some of us may have been in schools. Uh, the school population has changed and what schools have to do and provide for students has changed dramatically. Mm-hmm. And there's a real lack of awareness among people who haven't been in school for a while or haven't had kids yep. in school for a while. And honestly, the needs of students have changed. Like even in Parkway or Rockwood or Clayton or Brentwood, there are a lot more students that have um, emotional and social needs that are not being met. We There could be a whole host of reasons that we don't need to go into or people don't even know. But now that's left upon schools. That's right. Because if your child, if you have children that are more depressed, more anxious, well, you kind of have to address those issues before they're able to take a test and perform well on it. We've also found that... Um a lot of the high schools across the state aren't able to offer the courses that are uh, commonly offered in other places. So a lot of our students get to college and they're in school with kids who have taken five, six AP classes, right? right. Or, you know, the requirements for Mizzou's application are three sciences and some of our high schools don't even teach three sciences. And I know in rural areas it's hard to get teachers yes. to cover all of those subjects, but we need to be more creative in making sure because I know for a fact that there are very bright children throughout the whole state of who course. want to be engineers and they might go to a school that doesn't, doesn't offer calculus, doesn't offer phys- physics. And so we've pressed for that a lot too. And now there's a virtual instruction program that they can use, which is good. But I would say the college environment's getting more competitive. The expectation of Extremely what kids can do when they leave high school. Competitive. That's Extreme. right. I mean, I have two high schoolers, and I can tell yeah. you it's much more intense. than. And I went to a very good suburban high school that was very competitive then, and now it's like, it, it's like a mini college. I mean, it yeah. really is very, very intense and high-pressured, high stakes. And even the trades. I mean, right. uh, the students who want to become – auto mechanics like right. that's software that's code right. I mean it's all it's all getting more sophisticated so I think there's a lot to be asked of our high schools but it is important like you know we have a 90 percent graduation rate and according to Desi 42 percent are college or career ready so that's a big gap that's to a fill. huge gap we have half of our high school students graduate not college or career ready and I think part of the important thing that I would like to stress when I'm talking about school report cards because I don't I don't think these should be used as instruments to uh, shame or blame schools. Sure. Right? Because that's not productive either. That um, And it's stigmatizing, clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes then it just leaves 
populations of the hardest to teach kids and families um, concentrated in schools where are labeled as like failing or F's or whatever. So I think that Missouri can revise its school report card and then provide supports or figure out ways to help those schools in the areas in which they are deficient. Yeah, so they have these targeted schools and comprehensive. Right. The the um the way they select those schools is still a mystery to me. I've read it several times, but it's not obvious. Right. But, and there's not that many schools on the list. So I know. we have 2200 schools. Right. And there's what 60 or 70 on the most uh, challenged list and I I believe that that's not correct either. And right now Desi is doing msip 6 yes so the missouri school improvement plan right, we've right. been using five for a while they're working on six i've seen some initial powerpoints um i hope that they take this as an opportunity to really do something with teeth to really do something that parents understand yeah. to do something that um will be you know i, I hope they throw this out basically the school report card that they've been using I agree. start from scratch and really um, I think it's in the best interest of everyone to be transparent in these situations just because you do know which schools need help and you, not only that you know what they need help with right so I do think that there's an opportunity there is an opportunity and I think this is also the sort of thing where you can get a broad coalition of support yeah. that sees nothing but good coming from something like this because you're not getting into something um, that can be as potentially controversial as choice options or other different policy solutions but you're saying hey let's make the information accessible and understandable and easily obtainable yeah who's going to be against that yeah no that's all that's all good (laughs) right and you can do it positive spin I know Nevada uses stars right and but everyone knows what a one star is but they're called rising stars but I mean you have an opportunity (laughs) to use language that doesn't make everyone feel badly but still acknowledging like this school needs help this school's not serving their students well right right and no parent wants to send their child to a school that's not functioning well exactly and then it gives you an opportunity to then even for I think um the school leadership Obviously, they know what the problems and challenges facing their school are, but then for them to be able to see that, okay, perhaps there's another school that's facing very similar situations that is able to make progress or very good school districts, quote unquote, who are not serving certain populations, whether they're low income or minority populations, um, can see what's working in other districts like us. That's right. Why are kids performing better there than they are here? And we need to stop looking at the average of all kids and make sure that we're um, identifying those groups that we're not serving well. And that does happen. And I think people don't understand that. But that, you know, an example I've given that does not apply to Missouri, but is Park City, Utah, where, you know, the people who are going to the schools there, it's a very high tax base. They have yes. some very uh, advantaged children. And then you also have people who are cleaning those places. Right. Like they're in the same school district right. and they do go to those schools. And if you don't acknowledge their, that that group's performance, then, uh, you know, they're not going to get any better. They're not. Yeah, exactly. There's no incentive to get better. with Right. That. And so that's, that's all we're looking for is yeah. a nice, clean, understandable report card. Um, we have some example. Actually, the on our website, we have a table with links to every state's school report cards. I would encourage people to like Google Missouri school report right. card and see what happens or Illinois school report cards because there's a right. really good and see yes. what happens. And, um, you know, I just I'm I, I've said this to somebody at Desi. I'm not going away. So, you know, I'm going to keep taking your data and, you know, I'm not going away because I get up in the morning, I come to work and look at education data and that's what I do for a living. So 
I'm not going away. Um, I do think that there's a chance to hold them to a higher standard, and I appreciate that you're jumping in the conversation yes, as well. Yes, absolutely. Mean, I am on on board with this same thing. Well, you know, journalists, we are like passionate about information, making information accessible <laughs> and making it understandable for people. So um, certainly, you have a common cause with us in this area we're glad to see you doing this work thank you so much and thanks for coming in for a podcast to the pod pit thank you for listening to the show me institute podcast find more at showmeinstitute.org